You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the legends of Runeterra. My name is Mark or The Lift from outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And with me tonight, I have my legendary and ever faithful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd. But I also have with me uh, a, a, a second time guest, uh, streamer extraordinaire, full-time Runeterra content creator, deck building master, and Mogwai himself said on his stream the other day, the most accomplished tournament player from the streaming community bbg is with us tonight bbg welcome back to the show we're so glad to have you and uh, how are you doing tonight i'm doing good i'm doing good i don't know if i can live up to the introduction but i'm gonna do my best well hey man the introduction is just i think it's just true i think it's just uh it's just an accurate it's an accurate introduction so you're already living into it uh he's good at those introductions he, he really he really just you know throws all the praise on you right at the beginning so you can underwhelm people for the rest of the episode well, that's what i get every time <laughs> that's why that's why i call bbg uh, that's why i call dbn the legendary and ever faithful so that way he can never ditch me for an episode i can, I can never bail on an episode <laughs> he'll never be able to he has to show up if he doesn't show up he's no longer the faithful <laughs> DBN, DBN, speaking of that you got your drink how you doing tonight man what's going on oh man I am absolutely exhausted, but I'm already having a good time. <laughs> this is gonna be a this is gonna be a blast, man. And honestly, like I've been uh I've been enjoying Runeterra honestly more than I have in the last three months, which I know is kind of weird because I know that's not necessarily shared by everyone, but I just feel like there's a lot of variety in in the game right now that I can just sort of play a lot of different things and just not get tired of it because I can keep pivoting to a lot of different decks that can still take wins off of good, like the, the considered good decks, you know? So that, that that's exciting for me, at least. It makes me want to queue up, you know, Runeterra on my lunch break more, you know, as opposed to sitting down and grinding for a session. Like I can sit down and grind rank and that'll be fine. But, you know, what I want in a game is to be able to want to open up the app on my phone at lunch and just play a fun game. And that's where I'm at right now because I, I don't feel like I've had that in the last... I don't know, since maybe since right after Bilgewater dropped. I don't know if I felt that way. And I feel that way now. So that's exciting. Yeah. I, uh, today, this week, I, I'll be honest, like since, uh, so since we recorded last week, we recorded last week hours after the latest card drop came out. And I have played a lot this past week, way more than what I typically play. I typically don't have a ton of time to play, but I have found myself sort of like wanting to clear my quest every day, wanting to grind a little bit every day. Um, and I have put up a rank pretty much every day. So I ended last season in plat four, which is like currently my dad rank um, or my, I'm also playing an MMO on the side rank. And uh, and so I got, I don't know what you get booted back. BBG, do you know what you get booted back to if you're at plat four off the top of your head? I think, didn't they say like, four divisions or something that there's some that it's more complicated in masters it would just go straight to plat four and then plat i don't know it's like i think it's something like four like so you'd go back to maybe uh it's like four plus something i think you would go a little below gold i'm pretty sure i don't think you'd be in gold if you were in plat four i think you'd be below like uh you'd be somewhere in silver 
Yeah, I think I was like, I think I was silver three, maybe. Like that, that yeah, might be that about, sounds about right. So yeah. I, uh, I put up a rank basically every day. So I'm, I'm like almost at gold one right now, I think. And I've been playing mono. I, it, my version of it, I call it mono si aggression, which has been, um, just like fearsome units, fearsome units, fearsome units. Because I, I looked at it and I was like, well, Tom Kent Soraka can't block fearsome units very well. <laughs> um, Frail Yord uh, ramp struggles to block fearsome units that's great lee sin struggles to go against boards that go really wide and i think i can outrace pirate aggro and as it turns out all of those things were true so uh the only decks that i've lost to consistently at all have been uh discard aggro um that deck can sometimes outrace me if they get draven on three in division um if those two cards happen then then you usually can't beat them because it's just the 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 quick attack is just too brutal to, to go up against. He just starts clearing your stuff and dealing damage. Um, and then the other deck that I have lost against is the Frail Yord decks. So Frail Yord, so Ash, Arena, or, or whatever. The, the deck has been a little bit difficult for me to win against simply because uh, some of the freezes can stall enough that they can get to the point where they can reckoning your board and, and crush you. But every other deck, I have just annihilated um and has been a, a, a lot of fun so it tops out at four it's playing Callista and uh nocturne but i don't ever level Callista or nocturne Callista and nocturne are because they are a three four attack it's a three mana four attack minion with fearsome and it is a four five attack minion with fearsome it's the only reason they're in the deck i sometimes don't even activate uh nightfall on nocturne i don't think i've ever leveled them either of them more than a couple of times they're just straight up aggression next to some of like the early game uh you get the stygian onlooker in that you have cursed keeper bark beast uh ravenous butcher um you have a couple of the the guys that are the two ones that sack a creature and summon two two ones with uh with the challenger um and i can't remember the name of that guy <laughs> but uh Is that blighted caretaker yeah yeah blighted blighted caretaker that's the name of it and and then you just hit uh you hit into uh mist wraith and nocturne it runs the 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 things that give you a uh a, a nightfall card in hand and deal one uh, uh the ping if you nightfall you get a you draw a card or create a card in hand and runs the ones that create a copy of a card from your deck and then draw you that as well which is probably the, the mvp shadows. yeah the stalking shadows might be the mvp that card is bonkers when it comes to extending your pressure it's just like when i'm in aggressive decks i go get doom beast and i just keep mm. healing myself and beat them through burn because they can't beat me when i'm up against a control deck i go find wraith collars and just keep flooding the board after they've killed my stuff it's been a really fun deck to play uh something i really enjoyed so that was kind of like my week my week was like i wake up each day and i i rank up one rank <laughs> guaranteed and then, I'm, and then i'm done for the day it has been every day so far i think i've ranked up seven times i think just about I, I, the first couple of days i was playing shivana and then i scrapped that garbage and uh and went back to my shadow isles aggression deck that got me to plat last season and uh and it, it it is not it has not disappointed me and the fact that i created it and didn't get the list online makes me way happier that yeah. that that make that's really that's really the inner mark the game player the inner me that's that's what it is i want to create my own deck and do well with it um bbg you create your own decks and do well with them every day so what have you been playing on ladder i mean since the 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 fall of the the, the drop of this expansion we got kench we got soraka we got shivana 
what was the things that you were most excited about whenever you whenever you got these these three champs in the cards that came out? Well, Demacia has been really bad since before this expansion, so I was most excited to have a new way to play Demacia. But as we all know, if you're playing Runeterra right now, that didn't pan out. That didn't happen. So didn't work out great. Uh, yeah. So I tried Shivana day one. I had some ideas for different Shivana decks. They were all pretty pretty bad. Um, I did try Soraka Kench pretty quickly. Soraka Kench is definitely a good deck. Um, I've been playing that. As you're saying, it's weak to fearsome. It has some outs like uh, you should be running Mountain Goat and the you have like some like Mountain Goat blighted uh, the, uh, the 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 octopus or something. I don't know. Boxtopus. That's it. It started with a B. Boxtopus and like Star Shepherd. You have some outs to fearsome in that deck, but it's it's pretty hard, especially if Nocturne does his like minus one to all your dudes. That's like that's really hard for that deck to deal with. Um. But, oh, yeah, Soraka Kench was, like, the first, like, new deck I did, and that deck had some success. But mostly I've been playing a bunch of Lee Sin. Um, I brought that to the last DOR and was able to win the tournament with that deck. And uh, also, like, on ladder, it's what got me to Masters. So Lee Sin Zed has kind of been the main deck I've been playing. It just is, uh, it's super strong against everything. It's, like, it's where, it definitely has a weakness to, like, aggro and go wide. But a lot of situations, if you play the deck perfectly, it's one of those decks that really really rewards you if you play um you know you do everything right in it you know um but of course sometimes you know the aggro decks just are too fast and they just get you um it's part of life but yeah it, and then and then of course any anything that isn't like full on like go wide aggro leeson is just just absolutely insane against us very very hard to stop so uh, i'm sure i think we've already had some confirmations from ruben zoo the lead balance guy that uh leeson will be getting nerfed so <laughs> That deck has kind of a, a temporary, uh, temporary, uh, you know, hold on the meta. I guess it's not not gonna last forever. Um, other than that, today I tried I tried some Howling Abyss stuff. Um, I know Alan was trying a lot of that on EU, and um, I'm sure I'm sure other streamers were up to it as well. Uh, so that was that was kind of fun. Um, I'll probably experiment more with that. It's a fun card. Not sure how how strong it'll be. It's kind of nice that you could play that card, run a bunch of control cards <laughs> in with it. And then, um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Howling Abyss is the one that creates a level two champion in your hand, correct? Yeah, yeah. It's the, it's the thing, if people, if, if people are saying spamming like RAM in LOR chats and people don't know why, that's, that's what they're referring to because Howling Abyss is the random mode in League of Legends. Hmm. Okay, so just quick question. If I may. Oh yeah, go ahead, DBN. Well, just while we're on the Howling Abyss train, where where do you land on Howling Abyss compared to like, say like War Mother's Call? Yeah, that's interesting. That's actually I I kind of like said like I I should have actually said more when I was talking about Howling Abyss because that was in my mind to to talk about like mm -hmm. Howling Abyss. It's like what what I mean. I so what I said is just you can run all the control cards with it. Like you can run more like early blockers. You can like like War Mother's has this stipulation that you don't want small units in your deck. But a lot of control decks do want to play small units so that they can effectively deal with early threats and they have like mana efficient plays and all of that. And so Howling Abyss restricts your deck a lot less than War Mothers does. You also don't necessarily need to play a lot of ramp or even any ramp with it. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of a Howling Abyss deck, War Mothers is much greedier. You're trying to ramp super fast, get out War Mothers, you know, um, not run the early blockers, just survive off of like Avalanche or Withering Whale. Whereas a Howling Abyss deck can pretty much run every defensive card it wants to run and then just Howling Abyss as its win condition, right? Mm. It's, it's very much like just a hard control deck. I'm going to have everything to defend myself and then one card to win the game. 
Mm. So it's it can be more efficient with its early turns than a War Mother's deck can. That's, that's, that's a really good comparison, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, because before we kind of looked at him, we're like, well, random cards, random level two champs. You can get some really garbage champs um, that just don't synergize because so many champs in this game are so synergy focused. And so you could definitely get some champs that just don't synergize with what you're trying to do. But if you do think about it, War Mother's Call isn't just War, Mother, War Mother's Call, right? Like there is a huge package that goes around War Mother's Call um, because you have to play cards that are worth pulling out and then you have to play cards, not play cards that aren't worth pulling out typically. Um, and then you have to run the ramp in order to get there a little bit faster. Whereas it's very interesting to think of Howling Abyss less as um, less as the similar to, to War Mother's and it, instead picturing it as you can put a two or three copies of this in your deck and have an alternate way to win the game. Um, just like, just because mm -hmm. of that card, that card alone, if you're playing Frailyard, doesn't matter how you're playing Frailyard, if you want to throw in a copy of Howling Abyss, if your game plan can't win the game, perhaps this infinite value generator could win you the game. Um, it, I'm even thinking in like Ash Sejuani, like does it have a place, a one of in there that just says, okay, I'm getting beat out by decks that are running Ruination. This will potentially stay on the board forever. And it, it just continually generates value. So it's it's a win condition in and of itself. Um, I think that that is an interesting way to look at that card. I, I do wonder, though, about Howling Abyss. I mean, now we're turning this into a Howling Abyss, Abyss discussion. Um, but I do wonder, like, how effective really is the generating of level two champions when you have to spend that upfront mana cost to do nothing on the turn that drops, and then you can't guarantee what kind of value you're going to get um, compared to, you know, it, the greedier package where you have full control. or not full control because you don't know exactly what it's pulling, but you have a lot more control over what's going to get pulled. And also you get immediate value and value on the following turn. Like, I just, I'm, I'm not judging one over the other i just there's definitely a pro and a con to the warm mother's call versus howling abyss thing that i guess i just don't i just don't see the howling abyss as something that you you do have to build around it you just build around it in such a way that if you pull a bad card or a bad champion for the situation off howling abyss you have to trust the rest of your deck and the rest of the cards in your hand to keep you alive until you do get the level two champ that you need Right. Yeah. So that's I, I, I guess like I've I mean, at least when it comes to deck building, I've never loved the idea of putting a backup plan in. <laughs> uh, I've always Howling been Abyss, more. Howling Abyss is not the backup plan in the Howling Abyss deck, though, in like the Trundle and the deck you're in deck we're talking about here. Like um, like what what Lyft was saying, where it's uh, where it's like if you wanted to like slot it in, you know, that'd be like sideboards or just maybe like you're seeing more ruination on ladder. That's like alternate, but the Howling Abyss, like it just runs three of them and it mm -hmm. runs so many, like it runs like every sweeper in Frail Yord SI, right? <laughs> so the idea is like you put this thing on the board and like, you know, your opponent is is not like, if your opponent tries to aggro you down, you're going to have the sweepers to clear it, right? Right. Um, You're definitely still not going to have a fantastic game against Lee Sin. If you put in more freezes versus less heals, then you can have, like the more freezes you put in, the better you're gonna do against Lee Sin. The more heals you put in, the better you're gonna do against like Bilgewater Knox, right? Um, but you do have a lot of room for control tools. Like if you cut the ramp from War Mothers, you cut all the big units from War Mothers. Like 
you have so much room to put in early defense and the deck does feel pretty safe. It's actually, I would say it's actually like one of the big dangers for that um, Howling Abyss deck is actually going up against something like uh, uh, War Mothers or Sea Something Monsters. greedier. Yeah, something greedier because yeah. the deck isn't that greedy. That's actually one of the good things about it. It's one of the few decks in the meta that can actually deal with Bilgewater Noxus effectively. But then, yeah, when you face super greed decks, it's really difficult. So really, it's more of a control deck for a aggro or mid-range meta. Something yeah. where you're you play the control list, but it's lower to the ground. It's got a lot more reactive tools. It doesn't have to have so much of a proactive, you know, st game strategy when it comes to like ramping or whatever. Um, but in a game where control is the meta, it, I got to imagine it would have a hard time with the, a greed fest <laughs> meta. Yeah. yeah, it would have to be much different. In fact, War Mothers would probably just be better there because of the free the free thing every turn is so powerful, especially mm -hmm. when it's like a big thing. Yeah. Okay, so you, cool. you've you played it a little bit. What is the worst level two champion that you've gotten so far? <laughs> What's the worst one? Uh, oh, man. I mean, they're, they've all been... I remember I got a Lucian. That was good. I got a TF. That was good. My opponent <laughs> oh killed my me gosh. with a gangplank. I bet here. TF was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, TF is good. It's got to be a blast. <laughs> they're, they're pretty good. I don't know. Thresh was good. Like, there aren't a lot of chants that are total duds. I didn't. I don't think I got. I only played a few games, but they so were. They haven't pulled Teemo or Fizz yet. No, no, <laughs> nothing like that. Nothing like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I was just scrolling through to see. I mean, Katarina might be the worst. <laughs> Maybe not, but it would be. Well, leveled you get leveled. You get at least the rally, right? Yeah, you do get the rally with it. Yeah, at least that's nice. That's true uh i mean i guess if your hand's never gonna be empty level jinx is still a five four mana five, uh, five four with with quick attack um yeah. i guess a level malachi would be pretty crazy here's here's my question <laughs> just because destroy I their deck no isn't it doesn't isn't malachi people talked about this i think malachi is only when he levels up not once he's level two. Oh, so he would actually be bad because you would yeah, just be playing a four be, mana two yeah, five okay that would be a okay. bad one I guess my uh, my question here is um, question. I, don't I lost idea. it. I can't. That's I can't right. figure out. <laughs> okay. Well, I tell you what, we did get a lot of good questions that came in on the Discord, um, we which uh, we so we went over to our patron channel. So real quickly, shout out to our patrons. Thank you guys for supporting the show. We appreciate you. You're awesome. At the end of this month, we're going to do a drawing mm -hmm. to give away. I think what will be possibly one of our final Legends Cast hats. Um, that we're going to be giving away to one of our patrons. So go over to patreon.com slash legendscast and check it out there. Thank you to all of our patrons. And one of the other bonuses that you get is you sometimes get uh, bonus content. So there's a bonus question that we asked uh, BBG this episode that only goes out to the patrons. And so you'll be able to listen to that, you know, four or five minute clip of his answer to the question that we asked him. And, uh, and also we went to you and asked you to give us questions to ask bbg on the show this week and so uh we have a couple of questions that was only asked for our patrons so once again to become a patron go to patreon.com slash legendscast that's our little plug you know if you think uh what we're doing is valuable to you uh then give us a quarter an episode that's one dollar a month that's 25 cents an episode that's less 
than what you spend on Sour Patch Kids each month. If you like, Sour I don't Patch. spend anything on Sour Patch. What is kids. what are what are the what do the kids have these days? What do they go to? This, <laughs> what, what, they go what is to this? what is the uh, the candy is, of choice? This, this is Halloween. less than you spent on <laughs> fidget spinners last month. Uh, <laughs> Man, really, uh, uh, really going to town there, bud. <laughs> really back, really on the backlog of references there. Uh, but <laughs> DBN, why don't you take it over for us and give us uh, some questions for BBG that came in from the chat. Oh boy, here I go! We're gonna start off, I'll uh, I'll float you a softball here, man. Uh, this one is from Matram. What is a deck that you think is good but doesn't get a lot of play or attention? A deck that I think is good that doesn't get a lot of play or attention right now. Oof. I mean, like, I'm going to have to dig into, like, it's not going to be a tier one deck. I think that Timo Sejuani probably sees a little less play than it should for how good it can sometimes be. Um, Timo Sej can definitely be strong. Um, I haven't tested that in a while, but I know for a fact, like, Timo Sej is, like, capable of, like, winning games at, like, you know, like, pretty high masters. Like, it's not, like, mm -hmm. not going to be, like, a deck you choose as like your main deck to ladder with but it was it's like it, it's a pretty scary deck to face sometimes um and then another deck that i guess i guess like yes will swain i think is a little underestimated i did play i played like one game of it today um and it did win against leeson like it, it's actually a pretty good deck against control mirrors and it doesn't quite have the right mix of um right mix of like all the tools to do well like i can't give you like there's no like deck that's like you know a hidden meta breaker but in terms of decks that can have like good matchups that are maybe underrated like you know people would think yes swain is like total trash but like yes swain actually like is probably going to have a winning matchup against like lee sin zed which is the top deck right now right so yeah it's a it's a deck that doesn't quite have all the pieces to be like the complete package against like aggro and other control but it's it's like it's a very very coherent uh archetype yes will explain hmm. yeah very cool i haven't messed with yasuo in quite a while early on he was one of my favorites but um yeah i always find that uh the early game can be sometimes Hard. kind of a pain yeah um so next question here is going to be from gibbles and bits so this is kind of a two-parter i suppose so i'll just read i'll read both parts uh because i think they're closely related first part what do you think of the power level so far of the call of the mountain expansion compared to the rising tides expansion and then the second part uh is with both targon and bilgewater seeming to seemingly cementing their place in top tier lists do you correlate that more to good you know evaluation by the devs or power creep in the expansions say that Bilgewater definitely I think exemplifies a bit more power creep like Jagged Butcher is a really absurd card um, and like Make It Rain is a really absurd card uh, they have some really nasty champions too like TF and Misfortune uh, I would say Targon itself is overall not a particularly power crept region um, like they haven't really had to nerf too much. Like they actually had to buff some stuff, and then they like, and then they kind of nerfed it. You know, like they put they put Bastion up a bit, mm -hmm. and then they then they tuned it a bit. Where now it's kind of in between 
It's not really as weak as it was when they first released it, but it's you know not as strong as this buff version. You know, mostly we're see- we're really only seeing Targan have success a bit with mostly Trundle, uh, you know, like Trundle Asol lists, and then um, Lee Sin Zed. And so I think overall Targan as a region is pretty pretty balanced. Um, you know, nothing out of nothing out of the ordinary there. Pale Cascade is a nutty, nutty card. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apart from Pale, maybe there's not anything about the region that really strikes me as absurd. Uh, Bilgewater, though, I do agree. Like Bilgewater, there's definitely some power creep. Um, but and so like I said, there was two parts, right? So there's a power creep, and then it was like, um, what was like? There were like. Th- yeah, there were two parts, right? Yeah, so the you kind of answered the first part there. Just uh, the other one was just comparing the two expansions in terms of power level. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I guess I would say Bilgewater is higher, and I think the Call of the Mountain has overall, I guess, hasn't had the impact that that I think a lot of people would have wanted, right? Because a lot of the stuff that's fire, you know, Targon is kind of being splashed, maybe in the Lee Sin Zed deck being splashed a bit with Trundle, but overall Targon is kind of absent and a lot of their decks are feel feel very like hand like kind of handcrafted, like pigeonholed a bit into what they're doing. Mm, they don't feel mm-hmm. like is it like a region that can spread its wings, I guess, across a lot of different regions. Whereas Bilgewater um definitely felt like it had a much higher impact, not just in terms of power level, but in terms of diversity of play, right? There's like, you know, Swain TF, like there's like control decks, there's aggro decks, um, you know, there's like GPMF or not like a MF Sejuani was super popular. I remember back um, when Bilgewater came out. Mm-hmm. So it definitely felt like Bilgewater had much more of a breadth of like aggro mid-range control and going with a lot of different factions. Yeah, that's a, actually a really great point though, because I think like with Bilgewater having that you know a lot more like what we would generally consider good stuff where it's versatile it's not reliant on other synergies to activate um whereas i think you're right like targon has so many cards that rely on synergy in order to get value and so you, you're forced to play these you know heavy packages or we, we were even talking about this a little bit earlier um or just you know requiring certain types of cards in order to activate compared to like things like even like plunder is something that you can play a plunder card and you don't have to dedicate to a plunder deck or even you know or nab or whatever um so that's actually a really really interesting point there that the versatility of bilgewater compared to kind of the synergistic approach with call of the mountain yeah i think something else that's interesting there too is just targon was such a feature of call of the mountain right like with rising tides we did get cards that were enormously impactful to the meta, I think, um, in other factions. So Sejuani, for example, was a really impactful card eventually in Freljord, although it wasn't mm-hmm. a bilge card, right? Um, but I think that the hard part with Targon is is that it, it felt like, it feels like every deck that Targon is in isn't a Targon deck, right? Targon is supporting a strategy that is the strong piece of that strategy is featured in another faction. And the only deck that really felt like it did that well that was a Targon deck was Irelian Soul. And uh, and the Aesol decks, maybe like there was a a hot second there, right, where we had 
um, Aso Leona was like, it, be, it yeah. was before Trundle Aso, Aso Leona. And it was like, okay, like this is the deck that Targan is bringing to the table that might be get, th this might get supported by another faction, but its core identity is Targan. And when that deck sort of fell out uh, for, for Trundle, even a lot of like the Trundle Aso decks really feel more like, you win and lose the game around Trundle before you get to Aesol. Yeah. Um, and it feels more like a frail your deck than it does uh, a, an Aurelian Soul target deck. And I feel like a lot of what Target has done, and, and maybe intentionally, has come in to support other archetypes that exist in other factions. Um, I mean, Ionia didn't really have a ton, like a, a massive archetype until Call of the Mountain came out. Ionia was not in a fantastic place. And then they buffed Lee Sin and, and released Target. And of course, Ionia's all over the place again. And, well, now, uh, so. and what would you think about how we got all the Bilgewater stuff in one big go versus the Targon stuff kind of being parsed out across multiple expansions, especially with the initial drop, you know, not really counting um this more recent inclusion with like soraka and stuff like that but like targon just has significantly less cards to work with yeah yeah Judy, absolutely like... yeah 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 no it's that's yeah I, I think that's i think it's just accurate it's the the limitation of cards like there might be more daybreak cards and maybe there will be cards where like I, I think the reason why targon doesn't see why targon is usually supporting is that targon's archetypes like we were saying it's just it's just a lot of their archetypes need all these large packages needs a lot of synergy to happen. And it's just not worth going there. It's just not strong enough, whatever. And so not enough payoff. So it's, it's kind of like it's, it's core archetypes are abandoned for other factions for being mixed in with other factions. Hmm. Um, so the next question I've got for you here is going to be from, let's say from Simic. Um, so Simic asks, how does LOR's generosity with resources affect its longevity, vaults, region rewards, etc.? Do people, despite their complaints, enjoy the satisfaction of grinding for resources? So just sort of asking about the in-game economy and, and how you feel that affects player motivation and the longevity of the game. Well, okay, so first of all, I think we can like say like Runeterra is obviously the most free to play game I think I've played as far as card games go. You know, Definitely. like I hundred percent. Um yeah, so like in just so you don't have to guard. I mean the the, the kind of the end of that question made it seem like you were forced to go with the free to player. And of course you can just drop money in the game immediately yeah. if you just want the cards up front. So you can always do that. I guess maybe the kind of the question there is maybe asking like, okay, if the game isn't, you know, if the game has a very free-to-play model, like, are they worried that they're not going to have enough money to, like, you know, support the game in the future? Yeah, I think that's like what that. Simic was was wondering. Yeah, and I think that's probably not an issue. I mean, my guess is they'll they will up whatever they're doing. I mean, obviously, they're selling a lot of cosmetics in the game. You know, Riot has you know supported other games that way. You know, and so I would assume they're comfortable with that model. But of course. I mean, they'll they can change it up if they aren't. Um, of course, that might be difficult after they've already had a system. But I'm sure, like I think, I think as far as like people who are willing to pay for the game, probably you know a lot of the emotes are really good. Like I've always bought emotes. Like I think you know I usually if you look at you know you see a lot of you know like maybe it's like you know masters. I don't know if it's like different, but I see cosmetics everywhere when I mm -hmm. when I play. Right? I mean, it's you know probably at least half of my opponents have some kind of paid cosmetics. So. Um, you know, my guess is there are, the you know that that is a that is a feasible business model for them. Um, 
And I feel and like when they're giving you all the cards too, you feel more prone. Like I, I have enough to get every card in the game. So I was like, yeah, I'll throw, I'll throw 20 bucks at you because I really want that Shivana emote. I didn't care as much about the other stuff, but I really wanted the Shivana emote because I thought the Shivana emote was cool. So I, I agree with you, BBG. Um, I think that if they, especially because they're starting to release like rare emotes and it, or mm -hmm. when they start releasing stuff that's like higher rarity and costs more coins, but is super cool. Um, I mean, you see them do that. I remember when the first big, big skin came out for like Ezreal, Pulse Fire Ezreal, and then like Spirit Warden Udyr or whatever. When they came out in LOL, it was like, wow, all other skins look like garbage in comparison to this. And I'm just waiting <laughs> for the Guardian that we get that will like walk around the board wherever you click. And uh, we'll oh, like, God, that'd be annoying. Like, oh, I mean, do all kinds of stuff, right? Because it will just be like <laughs> leagues above whatever it is that we've had so far. And people will, you know, throw 40 bucks at the game just to get that thing. You know, I. I think you're going to see that happen. That, that seems very riot to do. Yeah. Now, here's the other side of this question that I think I, I would be remiss if I didn't approach. Um, how about the types of players that enjoy the grind and might find themselves, once they get all the cards, not having a reason to log in anymore? There's a lot of situations in, play, you know, in like, Hearthstone and Tessel, this was the same. A lot of people whose main reason for logging in and playing every day was simply trying to build their collection and knowing that from the free-to-play model, um, that they probably never will, but they're going to try. Uh, I know several players in particular that uh, with Tessel, they enjoyed the hunt for getting all of the stuff. Make it, yeah, I mean, Mark is one of them. He, he was trying to 100% his collection and he would have he would have done that and he has already done that in Runeterra compared to the years playing Tessel. Um do you think that that and I'm not necessarily talking about the idea of the players not enjoying the game but strictly the idea of how many people log in and play a couple games, you know, and and fill the servers up because they're seeking the rewards more than they want to play the game, like the mechanics. Yeah, well, I think, and to a certain extent, that's true. You know, oftentimes people are in two camps. There's, like, completing the collection, and then a lot of people are playing for rank. And then, you know, like, usually, especially with, like, any game that's, like, is, like, its primary mode is player versus player, I think there is a lot of, like, you know, part of the fun of the game is achieving something within it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so it's, I think that's definitely, that's definitely valid. You know, I guess the hope is that there'd be a transition from you know maybe if someone did 100% their collection they'd be a transition to maybe okay now I'm going to hit the you know a rank I haven't hit before something mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. you know um and I guess hopefully there will be ways to incentivize that there's the gauntlet system I think at the end of the day there's also going to just be like there's a pretty steady stream of content releasing so I think although you are going to have people who've 100% of their collection unless they're keeping to play and like banking up resources like the steady stream of new content should have people coming back regularly you know it's like it's like less than two months between these small content releases so although they're not huge it is a pretty short window i mean it's not it's not mm -hmm. big we got like the it was like on the, like the the before the middle of october we got this release of soraka and kench right mm -hmm. it's been like it's been mm -hmm. like more than a week since it came out and um and then we got uh the full target or like the, the the first target release at the end of August. So yeah, that's like, that's less than two months. So. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, we're looking at like a month and a half to two months between things here. Uh, you know, I'm my personal thought, it, because I'm one of those people, right? I like building my collection. I enjoy doing that. And I was actually really struggling before Rising or Call of the Mountain came out because I had everything after Rising Tides. And I, I wasn't going to rank up. I knew that as a player, as a with all of the other roles that I have in life, I didn't have the time to hit Master or Legend or whatever. And so I wasn't going to make a push for that. And so I, I really didn't have much of a reason to play because I didn't need the stuff. So I'm really anxious to see what they will put out that you can purchase with in-game currency. Um, you know, one of my favorite things about Hearthstone was being able to unlock the gold champion. That kept me playing that game mm -hmm. for like six months. Be trying to get 500 ranked wins on every on every class. Um, you know, things like Tesla was building my collection and hunting achievements and unlocking things that way. I'm I BBG. Do you feel this way too? Because this is kind of how I have felt. I have felt at times like we are still in. The, I know we're not in closed beta. I know we're not in open beta. But sometimes I feel like we are still in the build up stage for this game. Like it, it's almost like there's still something coming that we're going to see with tournaments, with cosmetics, with new cards, with new formats. There, it's it's like we're not just we're not there yet. It's almost as if the game is fully released but secretly not fully released yeah i i think there's definitely more coming we we know there is the new tournaments they've already announced that that there's going to be in client tournaments so we're already going to see more of that and i don't know i'm sure they're going to expand on that as well um but yeah i mean i, I would expect things type of i'm sure they're going to do more things with cosmetics and stuff i think it's kind of just where the game i mean the game was pretty ready to release in terms of its gameplay and you know, I guess it's, you know, like, you know, League, right, has been radically changed and iterated on throughout its, uh, you know, throughout its lifespan. And I think it's at this point, like, it seems like it's almost normal for this to be the case with the game where mm. it's not released in its finished state. You know, like, um, what's another game? Path of Exile is a good example of this, right? Mm -hmm. Where Path of Exile has been massively iterated on, um, you know, and as long as a company and it's it's an acceptable model as long as that company has you know i mean this, this has sets your path of exile has its leagues where people come back buy new cosmetics this has its you know champion releases every two months as long as there's a reason to for the game you know changing staying fresh in some way um it makes sense to release it and you know iterate it on it as you go i think that's just uh it's just kind of almost the default now as far as games go yeah the gaming industry has certainly shifted towards the early access, early release, you know, using players almost as a testing of what they want instead of trying to guess what they want, then releasing a fully fleshed out game and seeing where it lands. There's almost that idea of we're going to, we're going to present our ideas in the form of a finished or an unfinished product and allow the player feedback to shape the future of this game, whether that game ends up dying like Anthem uh or whether that game ends up flourishing like destiny i mean you you can see the two different examples of that where both games came out in unfinished states um and you know years later destiny now has destiny 2 and it's on its third year of an expansion i only know this because i just recently started getting back into destiny uh but i it's a good example because that is a very strong community built around it despite the fact that the original destiny 1 dropped and there was a lot of negativity surrounding the game yeah. um and they've iterated so much on it the game doesn't really outside of maybe the visuals you know doesn't 
really represent what the original game stood for or was going in that direction. Um, so you're right. Like that is kind of the, for better, or for worse, standard operating procedure for game companies now. <laughs> so do we have any other questions for BBG or was that the last question that we had? Oh, it was certainly not the last oh, question. Okay. There was okay. a lot of people. There was a lot of people yeah, who wanted to pick wanted BBG's it. brain here. Well, do we have um, like one or two more good questions you think? And then we can move on to talk about the meta. Yeah. You know, um, well, or I could just do speed round. We'll see. Oh, I like kind of like that. Um, all right, so let's do that. Uh, BBG, give me one important tip or trick you have when building decks for expeditions. Oof. Um, I, I did do a bit of expeditions a while back, but I haven't done them on this patch. Um, you know, look for look for synergies between your cards, and um, I just like a good. The best thing is curves. Look for look for a good curve. Don't have, you know, don't have too few or too many late plays, too many early plays. Have a smooth curve. Some early plays, some late plays. All right, next Great question. Advice. What does Legends of Runeterra do that is uniquely better than other CCGs or TCGs that you have played? I think the Spellman and the passing system are easy ones. The priority system is very good in terms of feeling interactive between the two players, especially how you play on each other's turns. And there's always that. You play something, I play something kind of uh, interaction. I think that's really good. Lots of strategy to it as well. And then, of course, the spell man, I think, is also really good. Helps it so where if you miss a two drop or something, you're not just out of the game. All right. What is a feature, a keyword, or a mechanic from another game that you would like to see implemented in Runeterra? Oh, um, it's hard to say. Uh, I guess we don't have deadly, right? I guess that would be that's easy one just off the top of my head for doing speed round, uh, deadly <laughs> poisonous you know like um death touch one whatever, damage on kills game. yeah lethal. yeah 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 that's that that would be interesting especially since I had that discussion earlier about removal kind of being in a weird spot so maybe having some units and of course it has an interesting interaction with freeze I'm almost positive we're gonna get it in Sharima though right because they're the desert scorpion snake Ooh, faction people so. It also has an interesting uh, interaction with like striking mechanics, like yeah, so like single combat, yeah, something yeah. with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or no, that's something that we could we've not, talked. We could not do Death Touch, and we could get Joust from Hearthstone. The Joust mechanic. What the heck is Joust? You don't remember Joust? I never. I don't remember. Is that the this. higher cost one? I actually that yeah. was like the last. Wait, when you reveal cards from your you deck, you reveal cards from your deck, and if you got oh you revealed God. the higher out cost of here. one, you got <laughs> Boo. That, that was that was Boo. <laughs> That was the no. expansion that had no effect on the game at all. That was the stupidest expansion. That was like their first one too, wasn't it? It was. It wasn't their first, but it was stinking. The grand close. tournament. Yeah, the grand right. tournament. It was bad. That was such a dumb thing. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Let me see if I can find one more for you here. Oh, um, where? What is the the number one thing? Or I guess it's it's like a tip, but where do you start? uh when looking to build a new deck like what is your starting point and we've discussed our point of views in a previous episode on how mark and i approach deck building uh and where we start and what our thought process is but of course uh i think there's a lot of people who would like to get a little bit inside your head when it comes to building a new deck we have a lot of people interested on in our channel who do a lot of you know constructing of off meta or meme lists and stuff like that um but you know, whether it's meta or off meta, where do you start? I like to start with champs. You know, I like to figure out what champs I'm playing. I, you know, I'm willing to play like one champ list, but usually I want like two champs that kind of make sense together. Hopefully like aren't the same mana, 
have some have some synergies that work well together. I, re- I really like to start with the champs. I think that's the heart heart of the game. And you know, of course, there are some lists that only run one champ. You sometimes like to like tutor it within Creed or something. But yeah, normally figure out what your champs are and figure out like what the idea of your deck is and go from there, um, because that's kind of lets you. You know, like, are you a deck that wants to, you know, protect your units a lot, stack up a bunch of different, um, you know, combat tricks, make sure your champs stay alive and win with them? Are you know, are you looking to, you know, just like kill all of your opponent's stuff and win that way? Are you, mm. you know, uh, what kind of speed are you trying to play the game from? So there's, there's like, there's a bunch of different things that go into constru- deck construction, but I think the the first thing is to look at the champs and kind of help them help, you know, let them guide you from there you know, is a good Mm. idea. All right. One more question. This one is from me. What champion uh, would you like to see reworked? What do you think they can do to improve it? And why is it called Vladimir? Well, I actually had a video talking about Vladimir. uh, And I actually said, just give him lifesteal. That's huge. Lifesteal on him because, you know, People say it's too strong, but listen, Vladimir's never ever had a deck. Like, would it really be? Is it that scary to buff him? Is it that scary? <laughs> you know? And so, yeah, just just slap lifesteal on him and see what happens. I'm all <laughs> see for what that. Happens. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm behind this. I can get behind this all day. Just slap lifesteal on him and let's see, and what, see happens. what happens. Uh five mana five Brilliant. five with lifesteal with his ability wouldn't be bad. Let's let's Not just too shabby. probably wouldn't be bad. Probably wouldn't be bad. Well, well, again, guys, let's go ahead and uh, we got through the questions that came through from the patrons. Thank you guys so much for submitting questions. And BBG, thank you so much for uh, answering the questions from our patrons. We really appreciate that. Um, but let's go ahead and jump over and talk about the current meta. Time for the main event. Okay, so it's no surprise at all uh, that the current meta has been a hot topic. Uh, A lot of people have been having conversations about it. There's been more than a few complaints about it. There's been some people who've praised it, and BBG has voiced his opinion on it. Now, I don't believe that either Ian nor I have watched BBG's thought on it, but I want to go over real quick just a couple of things that came out from uh, Team Leviathan um, Gaming. It's just sort of released kind of, it's not really a meta (laughs) report, but kind of they call it a deck report that says, like, these are the decks that maybe you should watch for. I'm not going to highlight all of them, but I'm just going to go over the ones that you're probably seeing. The first one, of course, being Lee Sin Zed, which is potentially one of the more controversial decks that's in the meta right now and probably the top deck um, that's in the meta. Soraka, Soraka, Soraka Tom Kench that came out, um, which is, of course, Bilgewater Targan that runs Starspring and tries to win through Overwhelming You in the beginning or through finishing off Starspring, Sejuani Ash that can also run the new landmark from Noxus, although I do believe that it's better without it, but uh, Sejuani Ash is is a strong deck right now. Um, Swain TF remains a strong deck, didn't go anywhere. GPMF Pirate Aggro is a very strong deck as well. Of course, those keeping the same factions. Discard Aggro, another very strong deck um, that has been seeing a good bit of play. Um, this one runs the Uni- University of Piltover. I think probably it's better without that and then i think i think almost certainly and then i think maybe the last deck that has been strong has been 
one one of a couple of versions of, of sort of like uh war mother control decks right that are, are gonna run trundle typically trundle and and maybe maybe you're gonna run uh uh what's the other guy that's trindamir. Uh, yeah trindamir um you might you might still see like trundle asel but you're, you're kind of seeing the same things right these sort of like long-term control frail your decks that have something to close them out at the end and so i think that those are probably the decks that are most common on ladder that are really strong right now that people would say would be contending for the top of the meta but bbg why don't you go ahead and and run us through kind of like what were your thoughts if we haven't watched your video what were your thoughts on the current meta where it is and and where if there is a problem where's the problem at right now well so definitely the top two decks i would say well Lee Sin Zed has really shaped the meta, um, and it's continuing to. Like, Lee Sin Zed is, is defining where the meta is at right now. Um, granted, it's, like, closely followed by Bilgewater Noxus, and in particular, Pirate Aggro. Pirate Aggro, we're actually seeing a little bit of a phase out of Pirate Aggro because there are some very heavy control decks. Like, it, it's, a, it's better to play discard aggro against Lee Sin Zed than it is to play Pirate Aggro. Pirate Aggro is actually, like, close to 50-50 against Lee Sin Zed. Um, because it doesn't have like fearsomes, it doesn't go that fast. It's more about slower burn with like um, you know, as Captain Farron to top off a lot of times, but you know, just in the mid game with like GP, he's cost five. Um, Jack the winner, he costs five. So it's a little too slow to really deal with Lee Sin. So we're seeing a slight fall off of MFTP, but that was really by far the most influential deck. And to be honest, a lot like it's still probably the second most popular deck uh, behind Lee Sin Zed. But we are seeing a rise in other decks like Jinx Draven, Aggro, and TF Swain because they have a little better matchups against Lee Sin Zed in particular. Um, they they feel more favored. Uh, so that's that's kind of where the meta is at. Is mostly Bilgewater Noxus and Lee Sin Zed. Um, and well, and one thing I talked about is you're kind of at this at this um, you know kind of on the horns of this problem. You know you have two things where it's it's pretty hard to make new decks in this meta because a you either usually need a lot of burn or a lot of like healing to stop the burn of pirate aggro and bilgewater knocks in general or you need a lot of removal to deal with the Lee Sin decks and maybe to a lesser extent the leviathan decks don't really need that much that's kind of like eh. it's, it's more it's more in maybe in that matchup depending on how much burn they run it's maybe even more on the healing side so bilgewater knocks it's more you need a lot of healing and then um, for the uh, for the Lee Sin Zed decks, you need a lot of removal, freeze, something like that, right? And so it's very hard to make a deck that does well against both of those. And um, to a lesser extent, maybe a lot of the well, not to a lesser extent, it's like it's like definitely the case that you're caught on the horns of those problems. Mm -hmm. And then another thing I talked about with the meta, where is like the state of removal in general might be a little on the weaker side of things. Um, just the ability to like get rid of things and you definitely don't want a game like i've seen games where the removal is way too strong and you do, don't want to get there but um definitely like some of the threats like trundle and Lee Sin with his free barrier are just extremely hard to get off the board right for most factions unless you're in like si running a bunch of expensive removal which most decks can't do like most decks aren't going to be shadow isles and then even if they are shadow isles you know that expensive removal is going to cost you a huge amount in other matchups so. yeah yeah oh that's really interesting because i think they're you know i've seen some people kind of saying well like lee sin's fine like lee sin zed's fine like you're 
it doesn't really win that much. Like you can go wide against it sort of things. But I think it's interesting to talk about um, the difference between things that uh, that are strong in the meta and things that warp or shape the meta. Um, and I, I, I think that there is, you know, is, is there some, is there some, tr I mean, obviously Lee Sin Zed is a strong deck. It has a high chance of winning. Lee Sin's nigh impossible to get rid of. Like once he's on the board, if you can't get rid of him almost immediately, if you're, well, oftentimes your opponent's smart enough to have saved stuff back to be able to protect him on the turn that you played him. Um, and his, his level up is, is pretty easy. And I have noticed that it seems as though the decks that are being played really can't be played without taking Lee Sin Zed into account. And I think that there is, so, so just follow, follow my train of thought here. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing for a deck to be really prevalent and the meta to respond to it. It's another thing to have to respond to a deck, no matter, uh, sort of like no matter how strong it is. Because if you go up against it, your chance of winning against it goes from a 45% down to a 10%. And I think that Lee Sin Zed does that to some decks. There are some decks that have such a pitifully low win rate against Lee Sin Zed that you just cannot play them if this deck is strong. Do you feel like that's accurate or is Lee Sin Zed just a pure, just a complete and total powerhouse? No, that's true. Like Lee Sin is very polarizing matchup because the thing is like you have to run, you have to have the ability to stop his OTK or kill him before he does it. And that's, that's a lot to ask. Like killing him before he doesn't is, you know, like that's like discard aggro and MFGP, right? Pretty much it. As I said, like MFGP is like, as Lee Sin has gotten, like, the deck lists have gotten refined for Lee Sin Zed, and people have gotten better at piloting, that's a close matchup. Maybe it's even slightly still advantage for MFGP, but I actually might give a slight edge to Lee Sin Zed. Either way, it's very even. And um, so you're not, you're not killing him quickly with very many decks. You need a really strong opener to kill Lee Sin Zed fast, right? Um, and... Uh, and like fearsome aggro, what you guys are talking about, that's one that's not played a lot in Masters, I think. It's being a little more like what am I? I know plays it with Endure. He's basically playing like mono, like mono SI with just splashing just like three Endures is somewhat common. Or not common, but like that's I've seen a little bit of that. Um and like so that's maybe maybe a third deck we'll see come in. That's a little weak to like barreled make it rains right that that kind of gets, you know, yeah, that, that, that's very strong that. against SI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, it has some problems if, if you go up against Bilge Nox. So that's where you kind of get the rock, paper, scissors coming in. But yeah, it's like, whereas like, so basically, but if you're not in a very specific kind of aggro range, um, Lee Sin just becomes impossible to deal with because he's just, he's just going to kill you in one shot. And it's like the mana they need to do it is not that much. It's, it's not difficult to execute. And it's, the deck itself is very hard to play perfectly. Like I'll give it that. Like it's a very, very skill-based deck, but it's it, it your your opponents in like mid-range and control matchups are almost helpless unless they have like three flash freezes in their hand or something, right? They need a real preponderance because you have the nopifies, you have the denies, you're running at least one bastion. So it's it's a situation where you're you're not killing him with anything that's unconditional because of his free barrier. You're not killing him with like a damage-based spell unless it's like blocked and then you have to dodge the healing. So it's 
it's just yeah it's it's what you're saying is we want to say it's correct your ability to deal with lee sin is dependent on very specific cards and most decks cannot play those cards would be a way to put it yeah so let me ask you this then um where is the problem at and and what what is in your mind the maybe the most efficient or the most helpful way to fix the problem without completely warping the meta in another direction because as we know the meta in card games is delicate this isn't something that that can be just taken care of really really easily like you you have to be careful about what you do because uh, uh the decline of one deck opens an opportunity for another deck and oftentimes sometimes that other deck is more oppressive than the deck that was previously in place and so i think people sort of get these glazed over eyes when they look at the meta and they're like we'll just take care of this deck and just balance this deck and then we're going to have this balanced meta but that just simply isn't how games work and it's certainly not how card games work if you nerf lee sin um or you or you nerf his deck and that's why we see this design team i think nerf cards around strategies right it seems as though sometimes their their nerfs to champion specifically aren't as strong so for example a card like i think of a card like mentor of the stones which is such a ridiculous equipper for both zed and lee sin not just because of the buff but because of the gems that it gives that can level up lee sin very very quickly and then can activate lee sin once he is leveled up and increase his attack it does a lot of things are there card nopify is another card that's really really strong in this deck it's a brand new card but it's strong pale cascade is arguably i think the absolute strongest card in all of targon um and is just absolutely bonkers in this deck there's a lot of support around lee sin zed that helps lee sin zed to be as strong as it is so what is the problem and what do you see as being the fix is this a situation where we we nerf the heck out of a champ or is this a situation where we can adjust some cards around him to sort of tune it down um well okay so i think first of all you have to keep my what you're saying about like what's waiting in the wings like things need to be addressed because otherwise you you nerf Lee Sin or his deck or whatever like Trundle War Mothers that style is just waiting in the wings to just be the only real predator of that style is Lee Sin Zed. If it's greedy, maybe MFGP, and that's the other deck, right? So you have the two decks right now that are waiting in the wings for Lee Sin to get nerfed, right? Are War Mothers and MFGP, and MFGP isn't really waiting in the wings. It's still one of the most popular decks in Masters right now, and maybe just on the ladder in general. Period at at every level, I I, I would think. Um, so uh it's you know you, you, yeah you, you have to be careful and I, I think the biggest thing with the card game is to have a, like an interesting meta and so not just like leeson could probably get taken down a little bit although leeson is one of the new decks we've got and you don't just want to destroy him he could probably i, I would say for leeson you want to compromise where they took leeson from six to four mana right and the stats change didn't really do anything at all then there's basically irrelevant um because of his free barrier his his life doesn't matter that much also he's always going to be running a deck that has buffs so his his actual stat line like well i mean obviously if you took him like a one one that would matter but he lost like one hp point right from six to four so he basically just got turned from six mana to four mana i think it would be a really good idea to try him at five mana maybe give him the one hp point back it's not that big of a deal but if you are going to make him cost one more but I think that would be a good place to start is moving moving to five mana in between six and four, give him a point of HP back and see where it goes. I think that would be a good idea. Um, for Lee Sin, 
But yeah, you don't just want to nerf Lee Sin and have like the meta be like Bilgewater Noxus because Bilgewater Noxus has been like tier one dominating the meta for like four months now or something, you know. Like this isn't a this isn't a, a new deck. I mean, uh, you know, in some form, either Swain TF or you know Pirate Aggro MFGP have been super super popular. So you don't just want the meta to default right back to that. You I think it would be nice to take Lee Sin down a little bit, maybe a very minor nerf to Bilgewater Knox, maybe like hit Jagged Butcher might be a good idea. Make hit Jagged Butcher's plunder condition where he just gets plus one. I heard Mogwai also talking about this, um, uh, where it's it's fine. He'll still be a one mana two, two. But when you get like, you plunder on like round one and they play like two, three, three Jagged Butchers, that's like, that's lights out for a lot of decks, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So taking a little bit off of Bilgewater Knox, and then the most important thing I think is buffing stuff we don't see anymore or just have never seen. That's probably the most important part of all this is that there are champions that just have never gotten any time in the sun at all. Katarina is one of those champions. Vlad is basically one of those champions. There's a brief period of Vlad, Sejuani, and I really enjoyed that deck, but I think it was at the end of the day worse than Ash Sej. Um so and and then there's like you know and then like the the PNZ champs are basically out of the game right now. You don't see any Heimer. You don't. You definitely don't see any Ez. So putting Ez back to maybe I actually went over a potential Ez not full rework is a minor change, but it would be like where he, where when you target um like Ez is basically he'd level up the exact same way he does now, and you could adjust the number on that. But the second form he would do damage whenever a unit was targeted, not whenever a spell was played. Um. Which would which would nerf him with some things, but buff him with others, and obviously you could adjust how much damage he was actually doing based on based on it. But um, I, th- I think the biggest thing when you're doing meta changes, yeah, make it interesting and take the stuff, give the stuff that isn't seeing any play at all some light. You know, sure, that's, that's the big thing. Sure, uh, I mean DBN, you had mentioned that you were really enjoying the current meta. So uh, mm-hmm. and, and and you know what, honestly, I I've enjoyed it as well. Um, but tell me, do you think there is, like, from your perspective, where, where you're playing at, is there a problem on the ladder and uh, with the current meta? And if there is, you know, what do you, what do you see, you know, wanting to be adjusted or changed, if anything? Um, so it should be stated, like, my meta is not BBG's meta. <laughs> Sure, but your meta is uh, you other know, people's meta, right? There are there are yeah, people who my meta is silver, and gold. You know, when I have time to play, but and I, it's worth stating that I think I don't see the same deck over and over anymore. There was a time where I only saw uh, MF scouts, and I would see it seven out of ten games, uh, even at lower ranks, right, and that has yet to be the case for me with Lee Sin, uh, whether it be, you know, Lee Sin Zed or whatever. Um, and I think that speaks maybe more to the less linear play style and like the, you know, the higher skill level that Lee Sin requires. And so people in my MMR, you know, rating, maybe not trusting themselves quite so much with that higher level of a deck and the more decisions you have to make um I, i've seen a, a lot of diversity i've also seen a lot of people playing with the new stuff i see shivana all the time even though it's a bad deck <laughs> you know um and so for me i i mean i i remember 
day one or two of the expansions, I was playing my uh, Vaults of Helia list, and I ran into three or four um, top tier lists. And granted, it's kind of a greedy control deck, you know, but um, I felt able to deal with even, you know, TF Swain or Ash Sejuani even though I was playing a off meta deck that I created. Right. And so I think that I think Lee Sin is an exception to the rule, but I think that the other decks like Ash Sejuani, like TF Swain, while very, very powerful and very consistent, I think that's why they're so powerful is their consistency and what they can do and how they can achieve that. Um, I do feel like they're beatable, even though they're these top tiered lists, I feel like they're still beatable by enough, you know, wide enough range of things um that it does allow because because the the metas where i've always been disappointed are the ones where i feel playing off meta or experimentalist um you don't where you don't have a shot you know where you're playing especially against extremely efficient uh control lists those types of metas uh, or extremely efficient aggro those types of environments can just really be damaging for you know, the psyche of a off meta creative Johnny, you know, somebody who wants to try out lots of different things. And, you know, I've always like considered myself, I've always called myself competitive off meta. I want to build an off meta deck. That's not a meme that can actually win, but I'm not trying to say that I'm not trying to reinvent the meta either. Um, and so for me, this is the kind of environment that I've really been enjoying, you know, which maybe it's different up there in you know platinum diamond masters whatever um that maybe that's that's not you know that's a situation where everyone's only playing those lee sin decks and it's you know degrading the experience but that hasn't been mine yeah yeah and i i think i would say i've had a relatively similar experience i have seen the same spattering of decks okay so i have seen the same grouping of decks i've seen tf swain mfgp Lee Sin Zed, War Mothers, uh, you know, Trundle deck. Um, I've seen Ash Sejuani. I've seen Soraka Kench. I've seen that spattering of decks. But I've seen a relatively, at least where I am as I've been climbing, discard aggro as well. More discard aggro probably than others simply because that's a really fast deck to play. And when you're in lower ranks, people want to play really fast aggro decks to rank up quicker. And so no, they, discard aggro is actually is coming big on masters though, too. It's, okay. it's, it's just increasing. It's a big increase because it's, it's matchups against like Lee Sin Zed and some of the other stuff are just like, it's, it's just, it's just a deck that has a good place in the meta right now. Yeah, it, it, it is strong. And there are, I mean, uh, we're really actually kind of seeing, I think, the first time that those discard a card, draw a card changes. Um, before they were just discard a card, right? You have the the urchin, and then um, I, I guess probably I don't even know if they run the the three mana four three, but um, those cards I think are 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 very good because you're not burning out your hand, and at the same time you're you're collecting cards, which is very strong. Um, but I've seen a wide spattering, and I have felt obviously like I've been able to be creative. My deck that I'm playing and I'm winning with isn't anywhere that other than in our discord that's and that's the deck that you know mark built um and uh and i've i've really enjoyed not that not that i'm like it, it missed wraith stuff isn't something that other people are toying around with but i've never in on my ladder experience in the last week i have never come up against callista nocturne 
Um, I'm the only one who's been playing Callista Nocturne in the limited sample of games that I have. So I agree. At the same time, I do realize that one of the main reasons I played Callista Nocturne and I went that direction was because I recognized that whatever creative deck that I built, I had to I had to keep Lee Sin in mind. Um, simply because I know that if I don't, and, and I heard Mogwai talking about this and he basically said, listen, Lee Sin Zed destroys control. So people have just gone wide aggro. And so you have a really heavy aggro meta and, you know, people get ticked off at aggro metas. People don't like aggro metas. To be fair, people don't like control metas. People don't like combo metas. And many people complain about mid range metas. So uh, people complain about meta. Like yeah. that's the, re yeah. that's the simple reality. Yeah. People don't like when any one thing is considered good for too long, no matter what it is and no matter how it impacts like the play experience, people just, I have long been, and you can you I can you can quote me back in the Tessel uh, days where I was exceptionally in tune with the meta, right? Like even back then, what did I say? I said like meta is 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 basically bullshit, right? It's yeah. basically what everyone says is good, and it and that ends up becoming reality, you know. To an extent, and, well, here's another thing you have to remember. I mean, there is a reason, like, meta is meta. Well, not, not just not just because people say. I mean, there's, like, there are decks that have better matchup tables than other decks, right? Generally, you're going to have a higher chance of success with this. But, of course, when a deck becomes overrepresented, then you are able to target it and bring in mm -hmm. stuff against it. And that's, that is always possible. It's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy is what it is. I mean, someone, you know, it, you take a good deck, you say it's really good, it becomes public knowledge, and then that that warping... <laughs> is purely because it's common knowledge you know what i mean yeah, compared yeah, yeah. So, I mean, to sometimes it's like people coming to different like the same conclusion at the same time like sometimes there'll be something really strong like and sure. that's how the meta evolves right like there'll be one deck that's been popularized and then like multiple people will be playing like well like okay like i think this deck's going to be weak to freezes and ash sedge comes back in a big way right so there's always that it's a, it's a bit of a mix of something being popularized and also like being strong but like usually not everyone right like some people are going to recognize like immediately like okay the meta is weak to this right now like this is going to be good in the meta i'm going to start playing this and like other people want to know okay this guy's like high rank or streaming with it or whatever i want to know like i want to play that deck because it's doing well and then and then it comes up and you know then a new meta is made and then other people and then you have that same process where some people recognize okay this is what i can put into this is what i can put in against it and it just kind of goes like that but i will say something important to realize is it literally no deck that's truly good is fun to play against that is something people need to understand right at the end of the day no deck that is actually a really good deck is ever going to be fun because it's not going to let you win easily ever right and that's the that's that's just one of the things to, to recognize is like there's always going to be a deck that's not fun to play against because games against it are hard right and it's it's not saying that the deck that you know decks shouldn't be you know nerfed ever it's just that that is something to recognize about card games in general is that the best decks are just going to be unenjoyable to play against well, and i mean because it comes down to the crux of the matter is losing isn't fun people don't like losing yeah. <laughs> you know and so and so they they're they're quick to for better or for worse whether it's accurate or not they blame the deck and they get mad at the deck and that you know and i think that there's it's tough because you know, in the era of the internet, as somebody who played card games, you know, 
back when there was, you know, message boards was the full extent of, you know, and I'm, I'm not even that old. I just started playing when I was really little, you know, but like message boards were the way that you talked about what was good and what was not. You didn't have, you know, YouTube videos everywhere of, you know, the top two stuff, except for maybe in magic, you know, at the time. And so like, you know, word travels so fast now about what's relevant. You can click a deck code. You don't need to go pouring through your boxes of cards to see if you have the card itself. You know, it's just such a different situation that meta is, you know, this big boogeyman that I think lords over at people's heads and they get so wrapped up in it. And, you know... (laughs) Bro, I played card games in 99. That was back when the only way to find out what cards were in the set were to open packs and read them yourself. (laughs) There wasn't even an internet to go to to get a picture of the cards that were in the set. So So, you started started playing card games in 99, you said? Yeah, Pokemon. Pokemon in 99 when it came to the U.S. I think I started playing... Uh, in 99 as well really oh that's interesting yep (laughs) i started playing i started playing uh pokemon at age five oh wow uh, or uh, five or six yeah Yeah. and then i started i started playing my first Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments at like seven or eight so here's my here's my last little (laughs) thought and i'll kick it to bbg and you can tell me what you think so obviously there's adjustments in meta like the I, I, you know, DB and I came from the end of the Elder Scrolls Legends when Invade came out. And Invade combo was not just a warped meta, it was a problem deck um, that had to be adjusted. And it was. So uh, we understand that sometimes that happens. But my real question is with a game that's as popular as Runeterra, as Hearthstone or something, is it really a meta problem or is it a mindset problem? Right. Because if I go in and I play against TF Swain and I lose, and it was so close and I'm mad. And then I, I, I requeue and I go up against TF Swain and I lose. And now I'm more mad. And then I love, I, I, I queue up and I go against TF Swain and I just hit auto concede because I'm not playing against TF Swain again today. And son of a God, I'm going to get online and I'm going to tell everyone that TF Swain and the devs better listen to me. And like, I feel like that's the, 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 it's almost, you're, you're, you're it's not just Runeterra here. That's a gaming problem. Yeah. And so I, I almost feel like it's a, it's a, a mindset or a self-control issue when it comes to this sort of thing versus entirely a meta issue there's always going to be something that's strong in a meta like like runeterra um and it, it so is it is it a mindset issue or is it really a meta issue well maybe with people getting angry at it it's a mindset issue the important thing and i think the issue with runeterra at the moment is not necessarily that the decks are so oppressive the meta is very rock, paper, scissors, you know, um, we're talking about where Mogwai said, you know, yeah, you can't play control decks, or at least it's very hard to play control decks is absolutely accurate because, you know, you do have this rock, paper, thing scene where if you play a slow deck against Lee Sin, you're going to lose. You play, but you can play a fast deck, you know, you have a better chance. So there is a bit of, but if you play like a fast deck against like, you know, full on like Howling Abyss or War Mother's Control, that can be really bad. So there is definitely a bit of a triangle going on there. Um, but but at the end of the day, the, the meta isn't isn't. It's not like the meta in Rune Terra right now would be terrible. I, I wouldn't characterize it that way, or you know, worse than like you know. Definitely, I've I've seen like worse metas in other games. Like not not even a question about that. But the big thing that is an issue with Rune Terra's meta right now is I think that not that much has changed. Right, we still have Bilgewater Knox at the top. If anything, things have kind of cemented more with Demacia. Right, has basically completely fallen out. 
P and Z has completely fallen out. So we have a bit of a dearth of factions right now and a dearth of like new stuff, new, maybe, maybe different decks from what we've seen in the last, you know, four to five months. Um, we, we really, the, the MFGP, I guess Soraka Kench is a new one to be fair, but that's not as common as like MFGP and War Mothers that have kind of been really fundamental meta staples. So if anything, I'd say the meta right now doesn't need a fix for being like, particularly like you know one deck you know not able to counter it or something but rather just shaken up so that we see some champs that we haven't seen see some styles that we haven't seen that's what it needs it needs revitalization maybe more than balancing interesting can i ask can i ask a question here yeah so this is this is me being not you know i don't have you know anywhere near as many games against uh lee sen zed uh as you um so this is why i'm asking i think about lee sin and, and and its matchup against control and you know it, obviously it's not a it's not a good if you're the control player and that pushes because of the popularity and strength of lee sin overall it pushes a lot of uh of the control out i think back to like tessel and how you know one of the big killers of um control was always either like a really fast aggro or combo you know being able to put together you know either a very powerful otk or some sort of you know big you know multi-turn you know board state from nowhere right um that they didn't have the time to deal with because one of the things control at least in a lot of games likes to do is pick things off as they come down you know yeah. kind of tit for tat as as they come things come down so when you get that big impact that combo that puts seven things on the board at once your opponent doesn't have the time to they have the cards maybe to do it but they don't have the time to play all the things and the mana to play all the things at once right so combo's always been that control killing thing but combo in a lot of games seems to you know devs really like to keep an eye on combo and make sure it doesn't ever be top tier now lee sen has that vibe of being combo right where it breaks that dynamic of I don't need the board state to win. I just need this character to win. And like sort of, you know, in a similar way to Yasuo, you know, but maybe, you know, more efficient at it. Actually, definitely more efficient at it. Right. Um, and I think about that and I think about the situation that when you ever in a lot of other card games like Hearthstone or um, Tessel, a lot of the situations where, where you couldn't have a game plan where one creature on board would be the card that would define the winning condition because there was a lot of conditionless removal things that would say i'm going to kill this creature for some basically vengeances and stuff like that um but but we have this conditionless removal in uh runeterra but it's so heavily priced right things that could deal with a one target thing um but that are so prohibitive do you think an answer to a situation like lee sin going forward might be bringing the cost of some of those higher cost you know removals down or i i actually kind of i actually really like uh the new crumble it's a crumble right yeah the mm -hmm. i actually really like that card because it does have that cost if i have to blow up my own thing which si is often happy to do um while still being that conditionless removal i don't need i'm not just doing damage here you know i'm just straight up blowing something up, blowing up a problem character. Things like in Hearthstone Polymorph 
or uh, Hex, things like that. Like we have that that's one that turns something into a squirrel in Ionia, but it's only for the round. Like what are what are some ways that we can have removal? Sorry. Oh, so it's it's only followers as well, which is right, right, right. Um, is that an answer? Is that a viable answer in Runeterra? I mean, Runeterra is not the same as Hearthstone. Yeah, well, I did talk about that. That's why removal is a little overcosted. Now you have to be careful because Runeterra is built around its champions. You know, like in Hearthstone, you have like your little avatar and it has its hero thing, and that's like kind of what it's about. You know, on your deck, and you know, and then just in other games, you just don't even have that. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas, uh, you know, Runeterra is supposed to be about the champions from the MOBA. Like that's the that's kind of the idea here, mm-hmm. and they definitely do not want. <laughs> your guy to just get you know just just blown up the moment yeah. you play him every time they don't want that right that's not the that's not what's not what how the game should play out so yeah they definitely want to keep removal to like, you don't want to make removal too um too cheap but maybe some of the temporary answers could be a little better i actually personally think they buffed hush i don't think hush was a problem card at all i think now it's it's in a it's in a pretty good spot but maybe a freeze or something could come down. I don't know. I mean, freeze decks aren't terrible. They're they're not good either. Mm-hmm. Maybe, yeah, maybe freezes could come down a little bit. Um, one of the things is actually the best removal is in Demacia, and Demacia is weak right now. Like if Demacia actually has good units on the board, their removal mm-hmm. is actually fantastic, right? Right. Concerted Strike combat, or is five mana strike. and single combat is two mana. Yeah, it's it's actually better than anything else if mm-hmm. you have the units to play it. That's the cost. It's you know, hidden. So you can see that how they try to make like flock is really good if you can, you know, make sure that the thing is damaged or stunned. So you can see where they'll let you have good removal if you're willing to put in the work for it. Right. And I think that's a good system. I, I do feel like the answers in general are a little on the weaker side, but maybe it's just something where some of the archetypes that actually want to use that removal, like especially in the case of Demacia. P and Z actually has pretty good removal too. You know, Demacia and P and Z both have pretty solid removal. And they're just gone from the meta right now. You know, there's mm. discard aggro, but that's not really utilizing the removal aspect sure. of PNC. Yeah, no, not um, at all. Well, and, so, and even when you do have like, you know, mystic shots and stuff like that, you're dealing with barriers and stuff from Lee Sin, which slows you down for sure, especially when you're playing cards at burst speed. Yeah, so I, I'm not sure if the removal is too strong or too weak in general. Some of it could be bumped up a little bit. But I mostly see it as an issue of Leeson and Trundle to a lesser extent, mm-hmm. where the Trundle just being this massive region body that also does damage, you know, unlike Braum, and then Leeson being a barriered, you know, this free barrier unit. They have to be careful in this game. If they want to keep the removal cheap, the units can't come with too much free protection. That's right. that's an important mm-hmm. thing. Units can't just come with, I mean, if maybe if they're you know, expensive, that's different, you know, and it depends on what else they can do. But, you know, Leeson being a win con and getting a free barrier is just too much for a lot of conventional decks to handle. You're going to need to really ruin your deck with a, an absurd amount of removal you wouldn't normally play in order to deal mm-hmm. with this uh, this unit. And, um, you know, kind of, yeah, I, I, think, I think of Trundle in somewhat of a similar fashion where he's he's quite a bit above the level of removal cards like like he he you know outpaces removal pretty hard um in terms of how difficult he is to remove you're almost always going to pay more to kill him than they are to play him right right um so 
Yeah, it's it's a question where like you know, does the removal need to get be a little stronger to deal with some of these threats, or do this do we just need to take some of the threats that are way out of line back into line, maybe buff some of the factions that use removal effectively as well. Right. And I'm thinking about two things here. One, I like the idea, and this is why I like to crumble a lot, but I also would love to see things where whatever that big, you know, card that kills everything with zero attack in Freljord that sees almost no play. Oh, Winner's Breath. Oh, Winner's Breath, yeah. Winner's Breath. I mean, imagine if that was a five-mana spell or something like that. You know, um, things that allow you to... Can't have that conditionless removal, but it is costed synergistically, right? I think as a removal piece, but I think ultimately, um, I like what you said about you can't have a creature that's both a win con and also has built in protection. Um, you know, because it all comes back, it all is circling back down to the board. They want you to play creatures onto the board in this game. And if you can't deal with your opponent by playing things on the board, um, it creates really linear matchups. I mean, that's like the thing that everyone has. Every deck, you know, has access to creatures, right? And that was always, that's for a long time was my complaint, especially early in the game's life about elusive, right? Was that like, Every every deck has creatures and and you know elusive compared to fearsome like every deck can play every faction can play three attack or higher creatures if really if fearsome's that much of a problem but not every faction at the time you know could play elusive creatures um, and similarly you know everyone can play creatures and and I think the game is most fun and people want to see big beefy things hitting each other. I mean, just like, you know, <laughs> reflexively, they want to see things hitting each other. Um, but I mean, you can almost see a, a card that gets barrier every turn, a champion that gives himself barrier every turn. That would be a board winning, you know, viable champion by itself, much less the win condition, you know, game ender attached to it uh, on the level up. I mean, I guess that's really the issue, right? The barrier. Yeah, the barrier combined with the the barrier combined with the um dragon's rage. The the dragon's rage, yeah, his kick, the, the fact that he can kill you so easily from 20. Now, I think his deck still has some problems, so maybe, you know, there is a lot of deck building cost to playing Lee Sin. You need a lot of spells, you need a lot of protection. The deck isn't easy to play and it's not good in every matchup because of just how spell heavy your deck is. So there, there's a cost for sure and um you know would he be this is why i said didn't say remove his free barrier i think take him to five is a good idea because one of the problems is he comes down so early and mm -hmm. can start taking efficient trades um so yeah maybe maybe take him up and see how that goes but i do think it's very dangerous to have a lot of built-in protection to champions that, like you know trundle also has his overwhelm to win the game too so this like these just like champions that are very hard to remove that quickly take down your nexus that's like that is out of line with the removal option, right if you want to keep the removal weak you need to be careful about those kind of champions about the resilience of the champions yeah, yeah. now sorry i have i have one question okay. that actually just popped into my okay last question um, then we're moving on then we're no, moving on. Yeah, last I question. I want to ask more questions. I already, I already canceled the next segment. It's already been canceled. So, okay, last question. All right. Um, 
you know, you, you said you want to take leasing up to five. I think that's a great solution too. Um, but at what point do we start seeing the fact that like most of the champions are at four and five and a, you, you even mentioned in your deck building discussion, you like to make sure that your champions, you know, are on different mana costs so you can, you know, potentially like high roll curve them out one after the other. Um, you know, is there a flaw in the design process right now of the champions predominantly being fours and fives? I mean, overwhelmingly being fours and fives. Um, is that a problem? Is that just what we should expect going forward? Do you think there's space for six plus cost champions or more space for three minus cost champions? I think there is more space, but yeah, I actually thought a little bit of that, a uh, little bit of that in the past myself, because yeah, the, the thing is, right, a champion is supposed to be something that you build your game plan around. They want it basically. They, they want you to. They, they well, they can't make it super strong and have it early on. So they want it to be something that's strong, and they want it to be something that comes out before. They want it to be a big play, but they want it to be something that comes out before the end of the game. So it makes sense to have it around four or five. So you're not just playing it early because if it's an early champ, a lot of times they can't make it too strong. Otherwise it would just take over the entire game. MF is already sort of like that. Like MF is one of the scariest champs of the game because of mm. how much she does on three. Um, but uh, yeah, so they have to be very careful making it too cheap. Otherwise, you know, either they have to just make it too weak and people are like, oh, it's kind of boring. Lucian is kind of like that, right? Where like, he's pretty weak. And so, yeah, he's like, he is cheap, but he's also weak. And so a lot of decks just aren't interested in playing him. If they made, you know, Lucian like more consistent, harder to remove, you know, like didn't give him maybe buff his HP or something, he'd probably be OP. And then you'd have Lucian OP problems. So it's like where if they want to make the champions good, but not have them OP, that like four to six range is just the natural range to put them at where they're kind of your getting your game plan online and you're curving into your champions to really kind of establish that game plan, you know, make it come to fruition. And it's, it's before, you know, the game ends because of course some games are ending on round five, six, seven, you know, for more aggressive matchups. So they get to come out before the game ends too. So it just, it, it is the most natural area to put champions on the curve. I feel. Hmm. Yeah. And what about like high cost champions? Like how do you, how do you design a strong six plus cost champion i mean obviously we see that with sejuani you know but we also see a couple misses right with like trendamir hecarim at the moment not really you know getting a whole lot of attention um i mean lux is pretty good and has gone has been very good in the past you know but i mean even a soul there's a lot of decks that run a soul and end up saying yeah he's there for that you know control matchup for that game that goes really late but a lot of times you can kind of win a game without him um you know what where are you where do you land on how do they design good late game champs well i mean you have to i mean the reality is like this is always a thing like games are decided oftentimes before turn eight plus like that's just a reality in a lot of in a lot of games is that the early plays matter a lot so the question is, one, you can make them super duper busted. That's one thing. You can just make them just say, I win the game when I come down. Make basically. them have Riptide Rex's effect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe they have Riptide Rex's effect or something. Yeah, exactly. So super, super powerful, of course, is one way to do it. Another way is you can try and make them, you know, impact the board in some way from your hand, of course. 
Um, mm. There's different effects, you know, that you see in other card games where if a card is in your hand or something, it can be, you can do something like play it for an alternate mana cost, something like that. Mm. And so you have a way to, so either you have a way to, so you have, you have ramp, you have cheating out the champs, or you have maybe doing something while they're in your hand. Those mm-hmm. are all different ways to make more expensive champions relevant. Almost like a scuttlegeist that would be a champion. That could be really cool. Yeah, it's cheating. Yeah, exactly. Some way to mm-hmm. reduce its cost in unorthodox manners or just play it in a weird way. I guess Vaults of Helia is one way to do that. Vaults of Helia takes a while to get online, but that is one of the things they added that actually lets you do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, guys, uh, this has been a great discussion about the meta, guys. We're going to do a champion spotlight, but it's late. We're not going to do that tonight. Yeah. Um, instead, we're just going to work our way out of here. Um, but uh, before we do that, let's go ahead and dive into closing thoughts. And I thought I was already perfect. <laughs> Okay, guys, I say this pretty often, but our closing thoughts, my goal is hopefully that if you listen to this podcast, you don't just become better at LOR, you also become better at life. We're finishing up a seven-part series on relationships. This is the seventh and final part of relationships, and we're going to talk about tech because I got to spend uh, I got to spend a couple of hours with the CEO of VMware this past week, um, who is a, a major software company, and talking about the future of technology. So future weeks, we're going to be talking about the implications of technology on our life in the next couple of years. But today we're talking about the last part of building healthy relationships. And the final one is vision. I'm going to read real quick from this book. One of the marks of powerful people is that they proactively establish practices and build relationships that help to renew their vision and remind them of who they are. When two people establish the pillar of vision in a relationship, they share the knowledge of one another's identity and calling, as well as their own joint vision and remind one another of these things on a regular basis. When seasons of difficulty or pain or loss come up, the pillar of vision strengthens a relationship connection and protects it from being thrown into survival mode. The point of this is, is that it's important that in the context of our relationships, that oftentimes there's a vision and those visions can be super, super simple for some people that is just being there for one another. And that's all that the vision is. But the point is, is that in that friendship, in that romantic relationship, whatever it may be, you've communicated well enough to know what that vision is both for each other's individual lives and also the vision and the intention of the relationship. And I think this is a really important thing. I think one of the, one of the most important relationships that we can have in our lives is having a friend or an individual that we can share everything to. And the vision of the relationship is that none of those things get shared outside of those conversations that we have an entirely safe place far too many people have secrets in life and those secrets plague them and destroy their lives because they have nobody to share those secrets with having that one relationship where we have a joint vision of accountability um uh, honesty and also uh, the ability to say anything and know that it's going to stay there is really important um and one of the most powerful aspects of relationship is the ability to not bear burdens alone and so my closing thought is this um find vision inside of your relationships and get in touch with the vision that is in your own life there is something for you get in touch with that and surround yourself by people that will not only remind you of that but encourage you of that and reinforce that in you okay there's my closing thought on on relationships either you guys have anything to say before we get out of here 
No. Nope. No. <laughs> I'm tired. We're I'm ready for tired. bed. Yeah. We're tired. Yeah. DBN, you were tired four. I was tired four of your questions ago. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just get so worked up. This is so fun. It, it is. This has been a great episode. BVG, I want to thank you for, for coming back on the show. We deeply appreciate it, man. And, uh, and of course, just absolutely love having you on the show. Love having conversations with you. Love talking card games with you. Um, but uh, if someone wanted to get connected with what you're doing, how would they go about doing that? Okay, well, uh, there's, you know, Twitch is my main, the main platform I use. So you can just go to my, you know, twitch.tv slash bruised by God. That's where, uh, you know, that's where I stream, you know, usually six days a week, uh, just not Sundays. Um, sometimes Sundays there's a tournament on. Um, YouTube is the other one. I'm bruised by God on YouTube. Uh, so, you know, uh, check me out there. I'm usually uploading, you know, a, about six videos a week, something like that, five to six. And then, um, and then also on Twitter, I don't use it as much. I've been using it a little bit more. It's um, at BruisedByGod1 on Twitter. And also Discord server, um, you can just find that right below my stream. Um, and that's a that's a great place, you know, great community. Uh, if you want to, you know, just post text, talk to people, you know, whatever. Absolutely. B, uh, you're, you're BBG. DBN, too many three-letter names in this. DBN, uh, if someone wanted to find your uh, your Vaults of Helia deck, where would they go to find that? Yeah, uh, that's going to be on YouTube, which is Dead Broke Nerd. <laughs> Very simple, easy to remember. Uh, you've heard it several weeks in a row, but uh, you've listened to this since November. You've heard it every you've, week in a row. You've heard it every week, except for like maybe one week where I wasn't there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah oh. no, uh, I did post a Vault of Helia deck. Uh, I mean, it's a small YouTube, but that list is a lot of fun. Uh, if you like Anivia and you also like free rekindlers, have fun with that one. Yeah. Um. I'm also. I am hoping to get another video up this next week. So I'm. I'm hoping. You know. I, I say this every time. I want to just do at least one video a week because it's fun. Um. I. I've been looking at. Uh. This. Uh. Undying arena list. Like Noxcry mm. Arena. Boys. It. It seems. It seems spicy. But I can't ever seem to get the two of them out at the same time. <laughs> so. <laughs> can't we'll get any see. good footage. So there's no I video to be had. I haven't. Yeah, I haven't picked up what deck I'm going to do a video on next, but yeah, you can you can check that out here. But more importantly, the Discord. That's the best place to to find to find me because yep. that's the only place I regularly check. <laughs> yep, that's what I was going to say. Go to Discord. Uh, there's a, a ability to jump in it right here in the description of the show. Join our Discord. That's where you can find me. That's the best place to get connected with me. Once again, my heart has always been to support the community. So if you ever need someone to listen to you, to someone to talk to, or someone to pray for you, reach out to me over Discord. Last week, I spent time with four or five people from all across the globe um, and just hung out with them, got to know them and uh, and supported them. And that has been awesome. So if you need support or listening ear, uh, I am available. So message me on Discord and come join our community. And, uh, you know, I, I think we just talked to DBN. Last thing is that our, our, our league um, is going to be coming to a close over the next like three to four weeks. And the winner of that yep. league will, of course, win 50 bucks, a Legends cast hat and an interview on the show. Um, but after that, we're going to be doing some like fun December, like min like a little league in December without rewards, probably. But leading up little to Christmas, um, we might do 
one where we're only you... we're only allowing five year olds to enter. Yeah, so get your children out of <laughs> with the cages you have them in or wherever you keep That's them. That's right. Um, Little league. You don't keep your kids in cages. No, I don't say you should never say stuff like that. You get arrested. That, that um, you're gonna get yourself in trouble, sir. <laughs> my kids aren't in cages. I promise. They're asleep upstairs. Um, so we're gonna do something fun. Might do something where you have to build a league lineup in your deck, and you you bring one deck, and we'll play against each other and do like a little mini, you know, two or three week thing. So um, get in there because that'll be the next opportunity and then season three of the discord league uh for legends cast will start up probably in the beginning of the new year so if you haven't got in this one sign up for that one hopefully the rewards will keep getting better okay guys that's gonna do it for this episode oh i'm sorry dbn you were gonna chime in and say something weren't you i was just gonna make a joke of you better you better hope that bbg doesn't get a little extra time on his hands (laughs) (laughs) otherwise you won't be winning that legends cast hat (laughs) he's gonna get his hand on the hat and another interview on the show speaking of bbg if you want to beat everyone in our league so that you have to come back on the show again, that's fine with us. That's right. That's yep. a way to get back on the show because you had so much fun tonight. <laughs> We've been trying to get out of here for so that long. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and be sure to come back again next week. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legendscast.